December 28, 2019. Sundari Leopard was euthanized. I steadied myself against the side of the cage, and her feet didn't lock out. My knees felt like they could give out any minute, and all I wanted to do was to drop to the ground, weeping. I wanted to hold Sundari in my lap and kiss her precious face once more. She had been sedated before Jamie called me out to her cage, and now she was making the most darling face in her sleep, with her soft pink tongue sticking out just a bit, and rolled into what looked like a smile. I wanted to rail against all that was wrong with a world that meant her free spirit had to live caged these past 23 years. I wanted to curse Don for breeding Nyla and Saber all those years ago. I couldn't do any of that, though, because I could see that Jamie was barely holding it together. While I had told Dr. Justin Borstein that I felt Sundari was ready to go today, because her painful walking had deteriorated into not being able to walk at all, I wasn't told when he arrived. I didn't know that Catherine Stapleton, Afton Tassler, Victor Alonso, Jamie, and Victor had all gone out to sedate her before realizing no one had told me. Lauren Buckingham had radioed tearfully when she arrived on property, and I knew she'd be heading over to say goodbye to her favorite cat, so I didn't want to interrupt that. Sundari and I had been discussing this for days, and we could, comf- and we could comfort each other remotely. Sundari might be the closest cat sister to Jamie now, and Dr. Justin was struggling to find a vein for one last blood test. Even though Sundari was asleep, she was taking deep breaths, and I kept silently assuring her that there would be no more pain, and soon she'd be free to rejoin all of those she loved before. Some cats go quickly because their organs are so worn out that the mere sedation usually has them on their journey to the light before the pentobarbital is injected. In Sundari's case, she had been well-nourished and her organs not in that bad a shape, but she could no longer walk on her back legs. Despite her pain, she held on and required a second dose to stop her heart. That just made it all the worse for those who would rather that I have moved her into the hospital, where they could sit with her for days on end and hand-feed her like they are currently doing with Zimba Serval. He seems fine with the situation, but Sundari would not be happy, laying in her own urine and being confined indoors. I didn't offer that to those who weren't ready to let her go, and Sundari's reluctance to leave solidified that wedge between me and my staff. At the point where Sundari did breathe her last, the trees around us fluttered loudly as a strong gust out of nowhere shook them. I turned away from everyone, using the cover of the rattling leaves to hide my sobs. My eyes closed, but Jamie said afterward that a bright light followed that celestial disturbance and blanketed Sundari and those surrounding her with a soft glow as she left. I felt the angels around us. I know Sundari is free now, but the tears still stream down my face at the loss. In the middle of all that, a person who I won't name turned in her two weeks' notice and how we wanted to meet her at five to ask why. He asked me to be there. I'm glad she's leaving, as she's been a lousy gift shop manager and has been causing a lot of disruption lately by being surly to everyone at the staff meetings and being involved in gossip. She found Jesus the week after I hired her and decided she couldn't work on Sundays. 
That was January of 2018, and I should have let her go then, but I didn't have any other good candidates. There has been a strain on our relationship because she's dating one of our other volunteers, an intern turned volunteer who lives on site. He likes to do videos, so I had asked him to film for our channel, but instead he decided, like another person I won't name, to create his own brand instead. He would strap a GoPro to his chest while he fed the cats, and people loved the dribble he would utter while doing it. I told him he could continue to do it as long as he created a donate button on each of the videos of our cats that linked to our account so that the cats would benefit from his views, and he refused. That told me he doesn't care about the cats. They are just an end to his means, and in his case, he's been staying in college because his parents would pay for it and volunteering here so he could live somewhere free but he has no desire to work to help the cats. I'm actually happy that he and the former gift shop person will find out what it really means to be adults now that they have to actually work hard and pay bills. The disruption at the sanctuary during our busiest time of year is unwelcome though. There would never be a good time, but this is a pretty bad time. It could have been even worse. She claims to have lined up her other job at an ad agency with her friend from church a couple of weeks ago, and that could have left us high and dry during the holiday rush. Today, Howie, Jamie, and I plan to go over the holiday bonuses, the 2020 pay raises, and what to do about replacing her. No one in our ranks really wants to work in the gift shop. Some would take the job just to be able to say they are staff. Some would take the job just so they could spend more time with the cats than their current jobs allow. Jamie asked if she and Victor could work just four days a week instead of five last night because she said almost all of our staff is already doing that. Howie was already under so much stress due to all of the end-of-year workload and staffing issues, he dramatically dropped his head into his right hand and was frozen there for so long that Jamie said she'd withdraw her request if he'd just pick his head back up. He doesn't mean to be such a drama queen, he just can't handle stress. He does just literally freeze like that, but I think Jamie took it personally against her. I hate making both of them so miserable because of my drive to end the abuse of big cats. She wants to be an artist, and he wants to be retired and work in the yard. Neither of them seem to find any real satisfaction in our mission, although Howie claims to sometimes. It's easy for me to work harder as we approach our goal, but it just comes across as being uncaring toward their needs to them. I checked the staff timesheets and found that the gift shop manager started slacking off around August 3rd, and then another of our staff on August the 15th, and even another of our staff on 11-23. When one is allowed to do that, then it's hard to stop others from wanting to do it too. It gets really messy where some still volunteer on some of their days off and others don't. After looking over raises, which seemed to average about 4.10%, and James, Jamie's only being 3.97%, I sent the following to Howie. Jamie's raise is only higher than blank and blank, and that seems like a slap in the face to me. I don't think you know how much falls on Jamie's shoulders, and that you may have been swayed in your thinking by some of the recent coup attempts that all seem to revolve around some ridiculous notion that Jamie and I are giving conflicting instructions. The gossip mongers claim that there is this fear of Jamie's wrath because she will take away their privileges if they aren't on Team Jamie but she doesn't dole out privileges other than choosing her vet teams and rescue teams. She makes herself take people she doesn't like on rescues and does the same for vet day choices, and she uses an elaborate set of conditions 
such as whether or not they've gotten to do it before or recently, whether they are needed, like for filming or capable of netting a cat, and whether or not they are going above and beyond in their daily work. She does override the operations manager on vet days a lot because the operations manager likes to choose staff. And Jamie tried to work in more volunteers. She's been trying to get the operation managers to involve volunteers more in the fun stuff we do, like handing out enrichment or seeing it done. But the ops managers just won't do it, and the other one typically only does it for the enrichment team that she's part of. They both say that the cats won't play with the stuff if a bunch of people are around, which is true, but I think it's just an excuse not to bother trying to reward volunteers. When stuff falls through the cracks here, it's usually Jamie who has to step in and deal with it. There is a ridiculous amount of time tracking the certification process for people to progress through our ranks, and Jamie has tried repeatedly to train people in how to do it, but it's not fun, and they let it slide. People get mad and leave, and it creates a vicious cycle. I'd rather have her handling that work because she does it meticulously, but it's not fair to make her do but it's not fair to make her job be the one that no one else is willing to do because it is so tedious. No other child of a founder in this industry has worked so hard for so little. I think it would improve her attitude about being here to be in the top tier of typical raises, not the lowest. If you're enjoying my diary, please like, share, and subscribe. You can find other ways to connect to me over at bigcatrescue.org forward slash carol.baskin.